Welcome into the Locked On Knicks podcast. I'm your host, Gavin Shaw, going solo today to tell you about the Knicks' big 121-96 to victory over the Orlando Magic. The Knicks set a record, a team record for threes made in a single game. They have their biggest road lead in over 30 years. And we'll talk Eastern Conference a little bit, where the Knicks rank among the best teams in the East. All that and more right now on Locked On Knicks. You are Locked On Knicks, your daily New York Knicks podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team, every day. And I think we see Willis coming out. There he comes right now. All right, you are Locked On Knicks, your daily New York Knicks podcast. Again, I'm your host, Gavin Shaw. Alex has the day off. I am a play-by-play broadcaster and obviously host of this podcast. So uh, without further ado, let's let's get into it a little bit. The New York Knicks, as we noted, a, a massive win. Uh, it, it felt... It felt like it was, I, I was kind of worried about how much I'd actually have to talk about in the podcast because it, it essentially felt over as soon as it started. I was describing to my dad as like, I mean, you could say like JV versus varsity, college versus high school. It felt like an NBA team versus a college team to me. The Knicks were getting on transition early and often. They were raining fire from behind the arc. And it just felt like, um, you know, how like the old, the Bill Simmons phrase that you're going to, I mean, usually you'll win the series if you have the best guy in the series. Felt like the Knicks had like the best eight guys in this series. Like it just, it was absolutely no contest. So I'm going to sort of skip over the, the game recap again. The Knicks had a, a massive, massive first half and got out to um, a, a pretty astounding lead because of it. It was uh, some quick math on my part, but it was, let me say 65 to 35 at halftime. I want to say, no, 67 to 37, 67 to 35. Jesus. I've not been sleeping a lot, if you can't tell um, at the half. Um, But let's, let's get into more like player specific stuff because I don't think the game, like again, in and of itself, like the magic kind of came back in the third quarter. Wasn't really that interesting. Um, I think my favorite part of this early season, including the preseason has been, just how much the Knicks or just how much easier Julius Randle's life is. And that's something that we talked about a lot this off season would be sort of an inevitability, but it feels like, I, I don't want to say like the game is easy for him is obviously there's going to be matchups that give him trouble. There are going to be nights that are tough, but it looks like one of the best players in the league playing in one of the best situations in the league, right? Like he, he's like endless lanes to drive. And like, that just allows him like uh, playing with better players allows him to show like, the sheer versatility baked into his game, which was something that obviously like anyone who's ever watched him play going back to Kentucky always really appreciated on some level, but I don't think it was fully unlocked from a skill perspective until last year. Cause like there were, there were just a lot of different areas, particularly his jumper that he really had to shore up to sort of unlock what he could potentially be. But then the secondary part of that was he just needed the teammates to be able to do it. Now he has them. I mean, the two-man game between him and Evan Fournier, I know this is something that Alex has talked about a ton, but it's just on a different level than what we saw with Reggie Bullock, right? Because of Fournier's ability to break down a defense, like Fournier can, it, it just, it gives you that much more flexibility, that many more options. And it's just, it's really hard to stop. And and, and the fact that Randall can just operate as like a jumbo playmaker, like one of the first plays of the game, cross-court pass to Kemba Walker on a dime, Gorgeous corner three. Then Randall had a pump and drive, hit Fournier for a wing three. 
Then Randall hit a three of his own. Then a little dribble handoff to Rose for a three. Then then transition dunk for Julius Randall. Um, give and go into pick and roll with Julius Randall and Evan Fournier. Ended with Randall just diving to the rim for an easy layup. Then Randall had a drive and kick to Evan Fournier for three. A little up and under pass to Mitch, who, who pump faked away from his defender, dunked it. Um, my favorite play of the game from Randall, a dream shake-esque move where he had this little, like he got, I think he got a rebound or maybe it was maybe it was just a dump off inside, but he was double team. Little reverse pivot, pump fake, get both defenders up, step through, athletic finish. That, that was awesome. Uh, had a great drive by Robin Lopez for a lefty dunk. Pretty nasty behind the back. It, it was somewhere between like a behind the back pass and a dribble handoff to Derrick Rose. Or, or excuse me, oh, um, it was to, um, was it to Fournier? Um, yeah, I think it was to Fournier for three. Um, and, and Fournier, Fournier didn't end up making it, but it was uh, this. Th- those two already have a real mind melt that I think is going to come in handy for the Knicks. And then let's, I mean, after that, let's like specifically. By the way, Randall finishing with twenty-one, ten, and seven. Let's talk about Evan Fournier a little bit. Eighteen points, three assists, two steals, uh, four for nine from three, which means he was just uh, one of three from two-point range. I think that is a that is an area where he will certainly come along a little bit. Um, there's definitely room for improvement there. So I'm, I'm excited to see, um, I'm excited to see Fournier continue to get better at finishing inside. Because it's pretty clear. Like he's, I mean, we, we had obviously what was essentially a game winning point against the buck against the Celtics on a little duck in, but it's pretty clear that that is a part of his game that just hasn't been fully unlocked yet and will be at some point. And that is very exciting because I think it'll again, make the two man game just that much greater between him and Julius Randle. Oh, yeah, so I guess the next guy would be Kemba Walker. And he was just, he, he was basically a spot up shooter in this game. He, he didn't have to really do anything more than that. Uh, Obi Toppin, I thought, was, was very solid. Five for eight from the field, two for four from three, 13 points in 23 minutes. I mean, he, it feels like it, it, took, it took a year, but maybe this is, and then maybe this is saying a lot. But in terms of overall effectiveness, like he's he's approaching what I hoped out of him. I think I I think I thought he would still be even a little better offensively and like with a little more self creation than what he has right now. Um, and, and not nearly as good defensively. Like even in my best case scenario, and he's been he's again very solid on defense. That that incredible block a couple nights ago, and um, now on offense, I mean he's just he's like feels like he's like one of the five fastest guys in the league running from end to end. Um, and, and he can shoot a little bit. So that's, that's a pretty fantastic combination of, of what you, what you would ideally want out of Obi Toppin. Derek Rose, uh, 12.7 assists in just 24 minutes. It's, it's a joy to see that Rose doesn't really appear to have dropped off at all from last season. That was sort of a concern for me because in some ways, I mean, it was, it was sort of, it wasn't a career year in a vacuum, but it was a, a late career year for Rose, right? He hadn't done anything quite like that in a pretty decent amount of time and I mean he never shot the ball like he did last year now he's like it just feels like everything I mean similar to Randall and maybe it's the fact that he's he's coming off the bench and he's, he's overqualified to come off the bench but it feels like a like him with like the current group around him like you're giving like I don't know Jeff Gordon who, who's the best NASCAR driver I don't know like the keys to like the world's finest car and just saying go get him Derek and and he's like just wrecking things up um, the Hail Mary pass to, to Obi Toppin was, was, was a thing of beauty. And I also, I also like that Tibbs um, is getting Derek Rose minutes with the starters because, I mean, I think, one, just his, his place in the league, he's worthy of that. And two, like that, that again gives him an avenue to be like, oh, I'm not the center of attention. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hide off ball and just bomb threes. And, and right now he looks really, really, really good um, doing just that. 
Uh, Emmanuel quickly, uh, last guy we will touch on in this first segment. Um, like pretty, like it feels like he's the cherry on top of the Knicks Sunday right now in that he's not having to do a ton of self-creation. Like he had one of his typical long floaters, like he drained his first shot from uh, three point range, but it just, it just sort of felt like everything was like coming to him within the flow of the offense. And he was just sort of like an overqualified great finisher, like a, a more low key version of like a, I don't, I don't want to say clay. I'll say Ray Allen on those Miami heat teams. Like, and then again, lofty comp, greatest shooter of all time. One of the greater teams of all time, but that's just how easy it feels for him right now. Like he's kind of getting spoon fed stuff. And like, I'm, I'm almost excited because I think against better teams, there will be games where you need a little bit more like, all right, IQ, like go to the top of the key stand like six feet out, catch the ball and, and see if you can beat a defense from a standstill. Because in summer league, he was able to do that. I'm, I have no idea if he's actually able to do that against um, like set defenses and like the best defenses in the NBA. But maybe, maybe that's, maybe that's a part of his game. Maybe that's something he can do. Um, and I kind of want to, I, I just want to see him like, again, that's, it's like a big theme this season, I think for the Knicks, like, what is the balance between just being good, which obviously should be your priority, and stretching your younger players' talents to their fullest capabilities? And if those guys are surrounded by better players, are they more efficient, but maybe they don't get pushed to their limits and they don't get to develop to the same extent? Or do they just get to preemptively get practice at what it is to fit into a great team context? Because my general philosophy on this stuff is like, it's almost better for you as a younger guy. Like you want to be, you want to be in a competent organization, right? Which the Knicks clearly are at this point. Uh, but beyond that, it's almost better that you end up on a great team later in your career because then you're, you're overqualified, right? You're like, I have, I have stretched my skill set to its fullest. Like I know I can dribble. I know I can pass. I know I can shoot. Like I think of like an Andre Iguodala. And then, and like, he was a guy who could score early in his career. And obviously in Golden State, he could still score, but it was more so like, can you finish at the end of plays and can you devote most of your energy to defense and, and, and playmaking? And Andre Iguodala was like, oh yeah, that's easy. That's like 70% of what I do. If I make that hundred percent of what I do, I'm going to be as good at, as good as anyone in the world at doing that thing. So that's, that's a, that's a fascinating dichotomy for me. All right. But with that, let us take our very first break on the Locked On Knicks podcast to tell you about McDonald's. McDonald's is our newest sponsor here at the Locked On Podcast Network. And this episode of Locked On Knicks is brought to you by, you guessed it, McDonald's, proudly serving communities since 1965. McDonald's has always been more than just a place to get tasty, affordable food. It's a place where friends and family can come to reconnect, place where classmates can meet up for a study group, knowing they'll have dependable Wi-Fi and endless supplies of French fries and McFlurries. Win or lose, it's a place where teammates, competitors, the home team, or the away team can come to recharge. It's the place you always look forward to stopping at on a long road trip to rest your legs and refuel. So head to your local McDonald's to refuel and reconnect. Did somebody say locked on Nick's watch party? Anyways, I'm loving it. All right, guys, with that, um, we wanted to remind you, in, in case you missed it, uh, well, first, thanks for making Locked on Knicks your first listen every day. We're free and available on all platforms. And for your second listen, get everything you need from contender to pretender around the NBA with the ultimate insider NBA season preview, the biggest and most comprehensive season preview you can find wherever you get your podcast. All right, with that, we are back on Locked on Knicks. Um, I was going to do 
two segments on the game, but it might end up only being one and a half because I'm, I'm running out of steam a little bit here. Uh, but I'll, I'll give some closing notes. Uh, Kevin Knox, shout out to him, nearly putting up a four trillion, which is uh, the first number is how many minutes you played. Um, the remaining numbers are like every other box score statistic. And Knox in four minutes finished with one assist, one turnover, one foul. Um, and uh, stat popularized by the great Ohio State walk-on Mark Titus, who, who took pride in recording a trillion where he literally made no impact uh, in how much time he was on the court. Um, but yeah, closing notes here. Uh, Alec Burks, uh, man, amazing, right? 12 points, seven assists, same as Derek Rose, but in six less minutes, didn't only 18 minutes, four for seven from three, didn't even have to take a shot from two point range. And man, like we're, I'm like, I was impressed with his passing at different points last year, but it feels like it's on a different level. He, he had this like little like duck in and like give up to Sims for a duck for a dunk, not a duck. Um, Bergson um, and Obi had like a great like throw and like toss back for, for a wing three. Um, yeah. He had the behind the back to Obi for a corner three and then pass the game for him. He was, he was on the left wing. This is early second half, like just inside the arc and he lofted it. Basically it was almost like a quarterback throwing it. He put it in the spot where quickly was not, but the spot where quickly would be and quickly got there and drained a three. So then Berks had what, I would call probably the pass of the game, maybe the best pass I've ever seen him throw. Um, he was he was operating inside the left side of the arc and then just kind of lofted it cross court. And he threw it to, it was almost like a great quarterback. He threw it to a spot. He didn't really throw it to a person. And he led Emmanuel quickly right into the corner, quickly caught it, rose up, drained it. And uh, yeah, that was, it was spectacular. So I feel like Burks is, is again, he's almost like a, like a luxury piece for this Knicks team, right? Like they're already, their bench is already so good. They already have like so much creation between Rose and quickly just throwing in another high level shooter and passer in there. And look like, obviously like you got to give the caveat, like it's not always going to look like this, right? Like the magic are right there with the thunder for the worst team in the NBA. I would say maybe I, you don't know. I'd even, I put the Cavs as like clearly better than them. Like there's just, there's not a lot going on. I, I wrote down the the starting lineup for, for the magic right now is just is insane. It's, it's Jalen Suggs. So I think is going to be awesome, but I mean, yeah, I think, right now is just not a good enough shooter to be the primary creator on an NBA team. And granted, rookies are not normally asked to do that. So kind of unfair. Cole Anthony, uh, glad the Knicks didn't take him. Franz Wagner really impressed me in this game. It was very, very good. I think he's going to be a nice player. But again, him starting the NBA right now, that's that's a lot. That's a lot. Uh, Wendell Carter playing power forward. I know he's like a 4-5, but him and Mo Bamba together. And even though Bamba, look, Bamba can shoot and can protect the rim, Carter's pretty mobile defensively. So in theory, in theory, you would think that would work. But it is just weird, and I I am not a big fan of, of what the Magic have right now. And I'm, I'm sure if I were a Magic fan, I, like I bet they were – I think I know we talked to Philip Rossman-Reich about this a little bit when he came on. Um, I'd be pretty relieved that they got Jalen Suggs, and like it finally felt like, oh, for once the Magic were not one pick away from the dude. Like they, they actually got the dude. Um, but I don't know how soon Jalen Suggs is going to be the dude. And until then, um, it's just a very weird team with a lot of pieces that are – are fine and like are solid guys, but a lot of people who should be like the sixth or seventh best player on the team and they're all young and they're all playing together right now. And it's, it's kind of strange. All right. Um, with that, let's, uh, we'll, we'll do like a couple of minutes on our Eastern conference conversation and then we will take a break and then we'll, uh, we'll wrap it up. All right. Um, so the East standings right now, uh, top four teams, the wizards, the New York Knicks, the Chicago bulls and the Charlotte Hornets at two and O the Hawks, the heat are also undefeated, but they've only played one game. 
the Bucks are at one and one and one. They would currently be traveling to MSG for game one of a playoff series. And the Brooklyn Nets are one and one Toronto, one and one Philly, one and one uh, all teams that are owing to uh, Detroit, Indiana, Cleveland, Boston, who had a very poor follow-up to that close loss to the Knicks and then the Orlando magic. So where do these teams actually rank? So I'm even, even though Miami killed Milwaukee, I'm, I'm of the opinion that Milwaukee and Brooklyn are in a class of their own. Um, and I, but I think, I don't know if I don't want to be overly influenced by the first two games, right? That's, that's kind of insane. Like it's, it's, it is the smallest of small sample sizes, but I like have my doubts less so with the bucks and maybe even a little bit more so with the nets that those teams are going to be so much more or like so overwhelmingly better than everyone else in the East. I, I think Kyrie Irving not being there just gives the nets like significantly less margin for error. And they're still probably better than everyone but it doesn't feel like inevitable anymore, right? There's no, there's no Thanos element to it. Um, or maybe there is, because obviously, spoilers, Thanos ends up losing. Um, the Bucks great on opening night, and then it just felt like a big letdown for them against the Miami Heat. I don't really want to read too much into it. I, I kind of like what they added off the bench. Like, I like the shooting of Grayson Allen and Jordan Nawara. Um, Giannis is an absolute monster, obviously. They're going to be good. They're going to be really, really good. Um, and then the next tier um, is also is where it gets interesting, right? You have... Um, I would say Atlanta and Miami and Boston, I'd say Atlanta, Miami, small gap, and then Boston and New York in some order. And I am inclined to believe that Atlanta and Miami are two teams that like, if, if at the end of the season, you told me that is your number one seed in the Eastern conference, I would not be blown away by it. Right. And I think that's the difference between like, if Boston gets the number one seed, I would be a little blown away. If the Knicks get the number one seed, obviously I'd be a little blown away. Um, Atlanta, Miami, I'd be surprised. I would not be absolutely shocked. I think they're both really, really good. And for Atlanta, it's just, they have insane depth at this point, right? Cam Reddish came back in the playoffs last year. It was amazing. And people were like, oh, is this, is this for real? This is sort of a small sample size thing. Um, I mean, great first game. So I guess we'll have to see, but between him and Deandre Hunter and Kevin Herter and John Collins and Trey, obviously and Capella and Sharif Cooper and Jalen Johnson came in and can suddenly shoot and hit a couple threes, which the Knicks uh, maybe would have taken him. There's just, there's a lot of really good stuff there and they almost seem more solidified in their identity than Miami is Miami's in this mix as well, but I would say maybe than any other team in the East outside of Milwaukee, just because I think Milwaukee has the the benefit of the doubt having won the championship. And like, I, I think as a lot of people point out that that like definitively like imbues like a little bit of extra confidence in you, right? When you, when you've won a title like that, that is, that is an absolute game changer of something to happen. Um, yeah. You know, let's, uh, well, here, hold on. Quick, quick point. Um, the Hawks, though, they just have more depth than any other team. And I know, I know I literally just said that, but I think there's just, there's a security and a comfort in that. And honestly, we'll, we'll talk about it on after the break, but that's it's kind of what I love about the Knicks is like, I feel like the Knicks for the first time in forever sort of have that same security where every guy that comes in is just a good player. But with that, we'll take a break and we'll talk to you in a sec. All right, let's take our second break and very quickly tell you about one of our all-time favorite sponsors, and that is, of course, if it ever loads, Built Bar. Did you know that Built Bars have so many delicious flavors? There's something for everyone. When you talk to a Built Bar fan, they're definitely passionate about their faves. If you don't know the Built Bar flavors, well, you're missing out. There's coconut, there's cherry barcia, there's raspberry, there's mint brownie, there's double chocolate, there's salted caramel, there's strawberry, there's orange, there's cookies and cream, there's German chocolate. 
know what my favorite flavor is? Well, I'm, I've always been a big coconut guy, so it is coconut. If you haven't tried all the flavors, you can get a mixed box where you get two of each of the nine. Not only are Built Bars the best tasting, they're healthy too. Check out the macros, 17 to 18 grams of protein, calories ranging from 130 to 180, only 45 grams of sugar, and only 45 grams of net carbs. They're amazing flavors, all tasty, all healthy. You can order today and get the grasshopper cookie or raspberry or whatever you like. Built Bar is the official protein bar of the U.S. track and field team. Isn't that neat? All right, so all you have to do to get that promotion is go to Built.com and use promo code LOCK15 and you'll get 15% off your order. Use promo code LOCK15 for 15% off at Built.com. All right, with that, guys, we are back third and final segment here on Lockdown Knicks. So I was just talking a little bit about the Eastern Conference and specifically the tier. So I still think Brooklyn and Milwaukee, despite having a loss apiece, are in their own tier, right? Just proven beyond a doubt. And in Kevin Durant and Giannis Antetokounmpo, um, probably um, no disrespect LeBron, no disrespect uh, Julius Randle, no disrespect Alfred Payton. Um, in, in those two guys, in Kevin Durant and Giannis Antetokounmpo, probably the two best players on the planet. Atlanta and Miami, clearly the next two best teams, right? Deep, um, athletic. Uh, we talked a lot about Atlanta, Miami, incredible in their first game of the season. Tyler Hero, we, we've been hearing a lot of reports this offseason about him making a third-year leap. It, it certainly feels like that is coming into actuality. Um, so Miami, I think, defensively overwhelming, right? Like Kyle Lowry, Jimmy Butler, PJ Tucker, Bam Adebayo, all sharing a court together is is unfair and and kind of scary, honestly. Like I, I, I don't know. Like if I, I would dream of playing with NBA players, if they, if those guys said, "Do you want to play a pickup game?" I was like, I don't, I don't know if psychologically I'm, I'm in a in a good enough place to be able to survive that. All right, but those two teams clearly in their own tier. And then um, the New York Knicks and the Boston Celtics. Obviously, Boston sucked in their second game. The Knicks were amazing in their second game. But based on the first game between the two teams, pretty much dead even, right? The Celtics, Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, two incredible all-star wings. Uh, I think really have the potential to be a great defensive team, especially when Al Horford is fully healthy. Uh, Dennis Schroeder is an okay fit. Marcus Smart, good player, little consistent, great leader, I guess. Um, But there's some stuff there, right? And the Knicks are more so like the Hawks in that there's just so much depth. And I wonder, I think this is my, this is sort of what I'm building this whole conversation up to. Do the Knicks belong more so in the Miami Atlanta tier and more so in that particular conversation? And look, it were two games in the season. The Celtics might end up being the best out of all those four teams, right? There's no, you can't really rule that out this quickly. And yet um, I'm, I'm curious, I guess, for lack of a better term of like what the Knicks actual ceiling is. And I, I was, I said that a couple of times this off season, maybe I didn't commit to the point enough, but is there a world where this team is the three seed? And I know Alex has gone that far and said that before. And like, honestly, like I wouldn't bet on it, but it's very similar to the Hawks where like, you cannot rule it out. Like they're so balanced. There's just, there doesn't really appear to be a weak point. And, and the only question I have right now is like, how do they hold up defensively against the best teams in the league? And the Celtics, it was like, so, so. And then obviously went to overtime and everyone started raining threes and it got crazy. But I'm, I'm fascinated to continue to see the defense because the offense, and it sounds so weird compared to last year. I just, I have no questions of that, right? It, it's, it's so easy for them right now, even against the best defense in the league. I don't think it's going to be easy, but I think they'll be able to score points. And, and that I feel very, very self-assured. And um, in terms of teams behind those two who are behind those, I guess we're six in now who interest me, Philly, I feel weird not mentioning them because there's, there's a case to be made that again, they are in that group of four and they are the best in that group of four, but there's just so much turmoil there right now. And again, they might very well be better than the Knicks. Like Joel Embiid is that good in of himself between Maxie and Curry. Like they just, and Tobias Harris, they just have a lot of shooting around him. Um, but I'm, I'm curious where Philly ultimately places. And then uh, yeah, Charlotte, fast paced, fun, Chicago, fast paced, fun, Washington, 
kind of similar, like two really good backcourt. Uh, Indiana, interesting talent, even though they haven't won a game yet. Toronto, maybe you have to take them a little bit seriously after beating the Celtics like that. The East is, is, is fascinating. It is deep. And I'm excited to see how it all plays out. But anyways, that is it for this episode of the Locked On Knicks podcast. We really appreciate you tuning in. Um, yeah. And uh, we will talk to you soon on Locked On Knicks.